Welcome, everyone, to 2021, an afternoon at the museum brought to you by Ira Tech Corp. I am Janine Stanley, and I am the director of consumer communications, customer communications. Actually, see, I start the year out with messing up my title. All right. And today I have with me our YouTube guru and product manager, Ryan Bishop. Hey, Ryan. Ryan is busy I'm sure being, he's doing things. being the YouTube guru, and that voice you just heard is our amazing afternoon at the museum host, Ms. Stephanie Watts. Hello, Stephanie. Janine, hi, everyone, and welcome to today's show. And we have Agent Julia with us today for some amazing description. And we have a special guest from the Shed Aquarium. We have experienced designer Ashley Braggs with us, and she is coming live from the Shed Aquarium. Hi, Ashley. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Hi. Very excited to be here. Yeah. Before we get into the show, we do have a couple of very short announcements. Um, our first announcement is we're going to take just a, a few seconds here of silence because, unfortunately, uh, many of you know that Afternoon at the Museum came about as a way to expose everyone to some cultural learning and whatnot. And unfortunately, last week, there was another incident of a uh, police shooting of someone who was innocent and unfortunately, a person of color. And we want to extend our sympathies and our thoughts and prayers out to the family of Patrick Warren in Texas. And we will speak the names as it goes. But today is also the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we will honor him with a few seconds of silence here. All right, and um, deep breath, and our next announcement is that next week we will be here because it is uh, Martin Luther King Day on Monday, and on next Friday, the 22nd, same time, same place, we will be here taking a look at the Civil and Human Rights Museum in Atlanta. This was a museum that was requested by one of our explorers as she lives there, uh, not in the museum in Atlanta, but <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be visiting that museum next week. But right now, we're at the Shed Aquarium. And Shed has been one of our access partners for several years now in their facility. But Ryan, you have a little announcement here, or do you want to wait till the end? And Ryan is busily doing his Yo. thing. So we'll let him we'll let him make that announcement. But right now I want to introduce Ashley Braggs. And Ashley, tell us a little bit about where you are. Hi everyone. Good afternoon. As I thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of your afternoon at the museum experience. Um, I am here at Shed Aquarium today. Um, I thought um, since we're going to be talking about um, Shed Aquarium experience, I thought it might be nice if I was actually physically here at the aquarium. Um, as you probably know, we're closed to the public right now. Um, but even though we are closed to the public, um, the care for animals and even our guests still continue. Um, so there are still a few um, of our staff here um, taking care of operations here at Shed Aquarium. Awesome. Awesome. And which part of the aquarium are you in? So what's, uh, what's behind you there? 
So here I'm in the Amazon Rising exhibit. So um, we have several exhibits here at the aquarium. And right now I'm sitting in one of my favorites. I'll turn it around and I'll show you a little bit of it in just a moment. Um, Amazon Rising, um, as its name suggests, um, tells the story of the Amazon River. Um, so every year um, the Amazon River system floods. Uh, and while we might think of flooding as like flooding in our basement and something negative, but um, actually in the Amazon, flooding is something that brings benefits to animals and people. So traveling through this exhibit is sort of like traveling through time. So we start in the beginning of the year where the water is low and then the water gradually gets higher. And so it starts to, to rain. We depict the rainy season and then the forest floods and all of the fish and animals that are in the river actually will then flow out of the river and they swim among the trees into the flooded forest. And then the water starts to descend again and then all of the animals return to where they are and the exhibit ends. Um, the reason this is one of my favorite exhibits at Shed is because it has some of the most biodiversity of any of the exhibits we have at the aquarium. There are over 200 animal species in this exhibit. So that means birds, that means frogs, that means tarantulas, that means cockroaches, that means snakes, um, that means a variety of fish. Um, here behind me, um, I am in the low water season part of the exhibit. And um, we're here with our polka dot catfish. And so um, polka dot catfish, there are about a thousand species of catfish um, that you'll find in the Amazon River. And these polka dot catfish are a smaller species of catfish. Um, they will cluster together. They're probably about 40 or 50 um, catfish in this exhibit here. And you'll find them clustered together um, to protect themselves um, from larger animals. Um, they have long whiskers or also known as barbels um, along the front of their face um, that help them look for food in the water. So the way we might look for something with our hands, um, catfish will sense and look for things with their barbels. Very nice. And uh, that's got to be a really relaxing place to just kind of hang out. It is a very beautiful place to just sort of hang out. I'm going to try and move down just a little bit and see um, what other exciting animals um, there might be here. So I have to be careful. Um, there's still people doing a lot of work at the aquarium. Um, so then I'm here. Um, I'm in the next part, still in the low water um, part of the exhibit. But in front of me, there are three ducks. Um, I love birds. I said ducks are some of my favorite animals. So we have white-faced whistling ducks. Um, and as their name suggests, they have white feathers on their faces. Um, and then, then they have brown feathers. So Ashley, I, I just want to jump in real quick and ask you, of is the water sound that I hear actually, I mean, is that what we would hear live in the museum? It sounds yes, like... Um, yeah, any of the sounds that you um, hear now or sounds that we would hear live. That really is, okay, that really is water sound. That, that's that's very cool. I like that. And um, yeah, yeah. And, and so if you don't mind, may I have Julia describe? Um, Absolutely. I wanted to know about that polka dotted fish and then the, sure, the white piece stuff. <laughs> All right, so I'm looking at the catfish now, and they appear to be silver-colored, small catfish, so only about the size of maybe your hand or your 
beginning of your arm, not like the really big catfish you might think about eating. Mm-hmm. And they have smaller speckles all along their sides. And it looks like uh, stripes on their tail fins as well that are darker colored. It looks like either a dark gray or a black. And then as Ashley mentioned, they have these long whiskers that go about halfway to three quarters of the way down the sides of their bodies and white bellies. And as she described as well, I can see them all sort of clustering together and huddling together as they swim in front of the glass panes here. Some of them are swimming actually up to the glass with their bellies and sort of wiggling along the glass. And they're in shallow water. They're mostly filling up the space of the water and you can see mossy rocks behind them and some logs under the water and the sort of surroundings. They're definitely showing off for the camera, aren't (laughs) they? Yeah, they they are. (laughs) (laughs) And the ducks, how do they look? The ducks are the next one down. They're in the next exhibit. I'll head back over there. Thank you, Ashley. So as Ashley is walking, then uh, we're able to see her, right? We're seeing the exhibits as she's walking now. She has the camera turned out there. And that's what I wanted to be clear on because um, for those who may not be as familiar with Ira, this is one of the um, benefits and advantages of those of us who use the service. We would be live. We could have docents or um, guided tours and still have our IRA agents um, whispering in our ear um, through Bluetooth headsets or whatever uh, to uh, share the the description with us. So it is the best of all possible scenarios. All right, we've got the ducks here. You want to hear about them? All right, so the ducks are being very camera friendly. They're up right up against the glass looking at us here, and They have brown bodies with, it looks like bars of black and tan underneath their wings on their sides and black feet I can see paddling underneath the water and black beaks. And then their faces from the tip of the, or the top part of their beak where their nostrils are all the way back behind their eyes and on top of their head is a bright white color. And they have little black eyes in the middle of the white face mask. And they are just so cute. They're just sitting and paddling and looking out. (laughs) And they're in a similar sort of atmosphere with underwater logs. And I just saw a turtle, I think, and some mossy rocks, or I guess algae rocks. And there's fish swimming along below them as well, some gray fish. And then it looks like a ray on the bottom there. A white and black speckled ray with a black and white uh, striped tail is cruising along the bottom of this exhibit here. He looks to be quite large. Yeah, lots of activity. Everybody knew the cameras were rolling today. (laughs) (laughs) There's a duck diving down to the bottom. Oh, Oh, yeah. I think that's what you thought the turtle was earlier. Oh, it could be, yeah. Oh, there he goes. He's going back to the surface. You can see little bubbles coming up from him as he was underwater. (laughs) He had his beak in the bottom and his feet paddling above him. (laughs) Wow. These guys are (laughs) totally showing off. Oh, <laughs> yep, Zoom life. All of our furry friends want in on the action. <laughs> I'm going to come back um, to my original um, post where I was sitting. Um, so, again, um, I mentioned earlier, Amazon is very much one of my favorite exhibits at Shed. Um, it's one of the first exhibits I worked on um, at Shed. Um, when Janine introduced me, she mentioned that I'm an experienced developer here at Shed. 
um, which means that I help create experiences um, for guests such as yourselves, such as yourselves, um, which mostly means that I write exhibit content. So if you've ever been to a museum or to an aquarium and um, there are those panels um, that you read information about the animals on or you watch a video um, about animals, I said it's very likely that I'm one of the people um, that wrote um, that content for you. Um, so there are lots of people um, who work at the aquarium um, to help create experiences for you or just make your experience possible. Um, there are probably about 300 people who work at the aquarium currently, and they're all different kinds of roles here. So as I mentioned, I write content. I work on a team um, of people who are photographers, videographers, animators, designers, graphic designers. Um, there are people who are, we have our own animal hospital here. There, um, there are veterinarians here. Um, there are people who manage our social media accounts, there are administrative people, there are accountants, there are aquarists, people who care for the animals, um, there are people who work with training animals. Um, so there are a wide variety of um, positions here at the aquarium and a lot of people that it takes to make um, an aquarium experience um, possible. I'm just um, thinking of how amazing it would be to like work in the accounting department and then come down into the actual aquarium and just kind of hang out during your lunch break or something, you know, your your break time to just <laughs> walk around the exhibits. Ah, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, it was a definitely when we were open, it was definitely a nice experience to have to just, you know, maybe you're just a little bit tired or feeling down, I said, as we sometimes are, and we just come down and, you know, walk through Amazon Rising or watch a beluga whale. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a great experience um, working at the aquarium, being able to step away from your desk sometimes and work with great how people long, and great mm -hmm. And how long has Shed been open, Ashley? Shed Aquarium opened in 1930. So we have been open um, about 90 years. Um, the um, Shed Aquarium is actually um, named Shed Aquarium for John G. Shed. Um, he was the person who um, founded our aquarium. He was an executive at Marshall Field Company, and he wanted Shed Aquarium to sort of be his legacy for the city. He donated um, all of the funds um, that helped us open, and yeah, we opened in 1930. So he unfortunately passed away before he was able to see the aquarium fully open, um, but um, we hope that he's pleased with where we've come. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a beautiful part of the city, I'm sure. Yeah, we're downtown on Museum Campus. I said there are actually two other museums um, in this area with us. I said we're neighbors with the Field Museum as well as the Adler Planetarium. And so when you're looking out of this, when you're looking on the stairs of Shed Aquarium, you can see Lake Michigan is just a few steps from our doors, and you can also see all the buildings of downtown. Um, so it's a very lovely part of town to be in. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, I'm going to turn it over to you and Julia to take a look at some of the online content of the museum, because even though the museum is close to the public, there are still a number of things that folks can do online. And we were excited to see that. So away we go. And again, right. this is part of the um, IRA partnership, uh, IRA access site, I think. Is that correct, Janine? Absolutely. Yes. So, uh, and Ryan will tell us a little bit about this at the end of the broadcast, how you can take advantage of our museum offer to take a look at all this content yourself and spend uh, countless hours as I have already <laughs> with some of this content. Um, and the website is very accessible, but as you'll find, you know, with live animals, it's a little bit harder to, you know, get that access going if you've got, say, a live stream or a three 
360 degree view or something like that. But um, Shed has done a great job in accessibility on the website. So um, let's go see what we've got. Right. Let's take it away, Julia. What, where right. are we? Let me go ahead and share my screen. And let's get moving. All right, so I am currently on the Shed Aquarium homepage, which is at shedaquarium.org. And they have a really cool animals and exhibits section where you can click through to see all of the animals and select different animals to uh, learn about and see pictures of and sometimes videos of as well. And then there's also an exhibit section where you can click through to different exhibits like the Caribbean Reef or the Abbott Oceanarium, or it says Polar Play Zone here. And on the exhibit side, they have information about each exhibit and some of the animals that live there, and then some 360 views too. So it's really up to you, Stephanie, where you want to start. Well, you know, I was told by someone that they had a fascination with sea otters. Mm -hmm. So... Let's yeah, I wonder find, who that could be. Yeah, not, I'm not really sure, but can we find uh, maybe an exhibit um, with the sea otters? I don't know anything about them, where they live, if they're um, found in the Caribbean. Yeah, we had a question from an explorer, too, who said, so, you know, I'm totally blind, have been since birth. What in the world is so cute about sea otters? Oh, where we do we will start? Now find I out. mean, come on. <laughs> okay, so the first thing I did was pull up the sea otter animal page. Okay. And the very first thing is a big header picture of a sea otter. And he's looking right at the camera and he just has a perfectly round little brown and tan fuzzy head and big black eyes and a little black nose and these long white whiskers that curl down off of his like uh, nose cheeks area and over his mouth. And how do you describe how cute they are? They are just so cute. <laughs> well, are they small, little animals like the size of a puppy? They're, are they large? Let's uh, see what it says in the page. I know that they're larger than a river otter, probably mm -hmm. larger than a cat. Okay. But I wonder if it has any actual size information about the yeah. sea otters here. Oh, and you can meet each of them each. Yeah, I think if so. you meet each of the otters, I said there might be some weight information. Okay. Well, let's meet them. I know Yaku is the largest otter at Shed, so he might give you the... Let's see. Oh, you can't actually click through on the... Oh, oh. yeah, you can. Read our sea otter who's who. Here we go. Oh, who, who, who's who? <laughs> All right, so first up is Yaku. And Yaku is actually not so much brown as he is a silver color. His head is this very silvery white color and he has a little bit of lighter coloration it looks like in his nose too and then the fur all over his body is it looks like a dark undercoat and then longer silver hairs that come off of his body where he's fluffy and he also has lovely whiskers coming off of his nose and here is some information about Yaku it says Yaku the adult male in the group is the largest a Shed resident since 2001, he was born at the Seattle Aquarium in 2000. Yaku is about four feet long and weighs around 70 pounds. He has a white face. Trainers describe him as easygoing, and you have a good chance of seeing him take a nap in the car wash strip kelp in the Regenstein Sea Otter habitat. And then we have Cooper and Watson are both rescued southern sea otter pups that arrived at Shed in July of 2019. 
they're the babies. It says at a little over a year old, Cooper is already starting to get gray around the face with a white chin and white eyebrows, giving him a recognizable pattern to spot at shed. And he is significantly darker than Yaku. He's almost uh, like black and dark brown all over his body, but he still has these bright white whiskers against his face. And in this picture of Cooper, the baby, you can see his ears. It's a side view of his head. So you have his profile and his dark little face with his black eye. And then they have the little tiniest ears right in the center of the side of their heads. They're like little clamshell shaped ears. And they're so darling. Mm -hmm. I I see why a certain person loves the otters. (laughs) They are very cute. They sort of look like stuffed animals. I mean, come on. Yes. They're like teddy bears with little teeny tiny ears on the side of their head and huge whiskers. Just starling. Do you want to hear any more descriptions of the individual otters? Do you want me to go back to like more? Um, Well, let's go on back because I think there's an otter. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ashley. There's an otter exhibit also or... Yes, there is an otter exhibit at Shed. Um, in our Abbott Oceanarium, I said there is an otter exhibit there. Okay, let's see if I can find that in Abbott Oceanarium. And is that the 360 view as well for you, Julia? Or? Let me see. There is a dolphin playtime video in that Ooh. exhibit. I don't see a 360 for this one, but there is quite a bit of information about, it says, the Abbott Oceanarium immerses you in the vibrant coastal ecosystem of the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. As you stroll along the coast, encounter beluga whales, Pacific white-sided dolphins, sea lions, and sea otters. You'll also find colorful fishes and invertebrates that make their home where fresh water flows into the ocean, or where tides turn seascapes to landscapes and back again each day. And then there's a meet the dolphins and a meet the belugas section, kind of like what we just did with the otters. Oh, let's meet the dolphins. Okay. I, I'm a dolphin fan. I mean, I, all of them are great. After today, I'm going to love all of them. <laughs> but I know about dolphins as a flipper. So <laughs> and so there does appear to be a, a about 90 second long video of dolphin playtime here. You want me to hit play on that one? Sure. And describe? Okay. Okay. So what we have here is a buoy floating in the water and... One of the dolphins has just grabbed a string that's coming off the edge of the buoy and is swimming and pulling it along the top of the water. And now two dolphins are playing with that same buoy, kind of nudging it around and swimming side by side, diving underwater together. And these dolphins are mostly a dark gray with a lighter white stripe along their side and black noses. And they're continuing to play with the buoy as it floats. One of them is kind of riding along it with it trailing on its back. And you can see their white and black dorsal fins poking out of the water as they swim along the surface playing together. Can you hear the music? I can. Okay. This is their playtime music, I guess. I th- I'm thinking. Definitely <laughs> dolphin playtime music. <laughs> it sounds like you could really get, get a lot of play out of that music. <laughs> so they just seem to really enjoy kind of playing with this inflatable buoy and yeah. pulling it around together and diving together and getting a little workout for their tug of war teeth. <laughs> so that's that. And here's some information about the dolphins themselves in this exhibit. The first one is a photo of a dolphin whose head is poking out of the water and I can get a better look at her actual features here. She is mostly sort of a medium gray color with white across her 
face over her eye and down her side. And then the very tip of her nose or her beak is a very darker black color. And she has a very small black eye in the center of that white stripe down her side. And her fins are all a darker color, like a black Mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. And it says her name is Cree and she's a female and she's the oldest. She's also one of the larger animals at six feet and five inches and 205 pounds. Cree was about six when she arrived at Shed with three other dolphins in March of 1991, about six weeks before the opening of the Oceanarium. And then there's another dolphin called Cottrell Mm -hmm. or Cottrell. Um, He's visibly the largest dolphin at seven feet and 280 pounds. Or she is visibly the largest one. And she Mm -hmm. has a tall triangular shaped dorsal fin with a white stripe along the edge. And then there's one called Munchkin. <laughs> He's been there since 2015. She has been there since 2015. Uh, <laughs> she is a petite six feet long and 195 pounds. A petite. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's one boy. His name is Sagu. And he was born in Secluded Bay on May 28, 2012. And his name means joy in Tlingit. And as the first successful lag birth at Shed, he is a joy. And he is 6'3 and 205 pounds, but still growing. He's the baby of the family, it seems. Yeah. And their coloring is similar. It sounds like they have the white stripe down the side. Yeah, uh, they're all pretty similar. There's some variations in their the outlines of their markings and the difference in the shading on their dorsal fins, which is the fin on their back. But they look largely similar. In for a second and talk mm-hmm. a little bit about their coloring. I was going to ask you, if, if, is there something to that? Yes, there is. Um, you'll find many aquatic animals have this dark on the top, light on the bottom um, coloring. It's called counter shading. And the reason you'll find it in many aquatic animals is because it's a way for them to sort of blend in um, with the water. So if you imagine um, something that likes to eat a dolphin, um, like a predator, swimming over the top, of a dolphin, maybe they're at the very surface of the water and the dolphin is below. When they look down, that dark back color helps them blend in with the deeper, darker parts of the water. But then if you imagine it the other way around with that predator um, swimming below the dolphin and looking up, then those light um, colors, that bright white color underneath them helps them blend in with the sunlight and the lighter parts of the water. Um, so you'll find it on Pacific white-sided dolphins, which are the species of dolphins that live at Shed. Um, you'll find them on most penguins. Um, that's why penguins are black and white, um, because that um, that black and white coloring helps them blend in. Um, you'll find it sometimes even on certain stingray species. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So that's our dolphin. Mm-hmm. All right. And then also in this oceanarium section, there's a meet the belugas. Yes. Okay. That's- Let's see what they're up to. All right. It says with a few key characteristics and enough whales within view to make comparisons, you can begin to figure out who's who among Shed's eight belugas and even get some insights into their social relationships. Uh, It looks like Auric is the biggest beluga. And so let's get a beluga description first. These are white whales. It looks like they're almost entirely white with a a head shaped like a dolphin where they have the long nose, but instead of their head starting way back at the base of their snout, they have a big bulging head that comes almost out all the way to the tip of their nose. I am so sorry. My doorbell is fine. 
Somebody else is attracted to the belugas. <laughs> and we're back. Okay. So they have these big bulging heads that go out all the, almost all the way to the front of their nose. And they have a teeny tiny little eye behind the center, the mouth line down their snout. Their eye sits right behind where their mouth is. So they've got this like very smiley looking nose and they look like just happy, happy little whales. <laughs> and from the front view, uh, when you see their the tip of their beak or their snout, it's got this little like inverted U shape and then their mouth comes down and then it curves back out down their nose and towards their eyes. So it really does look like they're smiling right at the camera when you see them from the front, <laughs> which is darling. Mm. And do you wanna hear about a couple of the specific ones here, their sizes yeah. and all that? Okay. So Auric is the biggest, and he is the biggest animal at the aquarium overall. It says, born in 2003, the 14-foot, 2,100-pound whale arrived at Shen in September 2017. So these guys are significantly bigger than the dolphins. And then there is Beethoven, who's the oldest adult male and the second largest at 14 feet and 1,800 pounds. So he's oh. a big boy as well. And then it looks like the smaller ones are, here's a three-year-old female who arrived, she weighed about 700 pounds when she arrived and now she's all the way up to 1,600 pounds. So they all seem to be quite large. Ashley, do you have anything you want to add about the belugas? Yes. Sure. Um, I'll talk a little bit about their coloring. Um, you find um, beluga whales um, in um, colder, snowier parts of the Arctic. Um, so you'll, so that white coloring does help them blend in. Um, but you'll find when belugas or whales are born, they're actually a dark gray color. Um, so we, you'll, um, so they'll sort of use that coloring to sort of um, blend in with the murkier parts of the water. So they tend to be born in estuaries, which are tend to be shallower areas. Um, so that coloring helps them blend in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, the blubber, um, there you notice a lot of them are a lot bigger than the other animals, is that they have blubber on their bodies and that blubber will help them stay warm in those really chilly waters. Um, one of the things that's distinct about beluga whales um, along their backs, and many whales have a, a fin or even dolphins have a fin on their backs, but beluga whales don't. Um, they have like a long ridge and that ridge will sort of function as an ice cracker. So if they're swimming below the surface of the water and in the water and they come across an ice and they wanna come up from the ice, I said they can use that ridge to crack the ice and come up and get a little air. Realize that. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And I was getting belugas and narwhal whales, narwhals mixed up because narwhals are the ones with the tusks. Yes, right. Visual, yeah, pretty similar. I said I can see that. Yeah. Um, so the and also I wanted to mention you mentioned that um, pronounced head. Um, that's mm -hmm. called a melon, and so the melon on a beluga whale actually functions as a form of sonar, so they're able to sort of um, send out um, waves as it's so that they can find out if there's food in the area or if there's something else coming, and then they can also get a signal back um, so they can find out what's around them. So it sort of function as a sonar or a radar. Well, Ashley, with them being so large, um, how, how do you keep them fed? I mean, that might sound a little basic, but they're huge. So they are pretty big, I said, and um, we have our own kitchen um, that feeds um, all of the animals that live in the oceanarium. I said, so um, our staff, our animal care staff, 
um, prepare several meals a day for them. I said, so they probably, our largest whales probably eat about 50 pounds of restaurant quality seafood every day. And so throughout the day, um, that food is prepared for them. And so as they're interacting um, with their trainers, I said, and they're doing training exercises and going throughout their day, I said, they're having those meals. Okay. So that's our beluga. Yes. The belugas. Okay. So how have I backed all the way up to sea otter? Let's see. Okay. So this is within still the Oceanarium exhibit. And it looks like there are also sea lions in this exhibit, which I'm able to click through. Ooh. And uh, these are California sea lions. And the photograph that they have as the header is great. <laughs> he's a sea lion looking right at the camera and he's got his tongue sticking out. Um, sea lions <laughs> are, uh, how do you describe a sea lion? He's a bit like a dog shaped animal, but they're sleek and shiny. And you can see that they have fur all over their bodies, but this one must've just gotten out of the water because he's still shining all over. Mm. And his nose is right up against the camera. And you can see that he has very long and pronounced whiskers. They must be several inches long, maybe even like six inches long. And he has a little pink tongue sticking out of his mouth and eyes on either side of his head at where his snout meets his head. And then on the side of his head also has sort of like an otter, little tiny like clam shell shaped ears, just minuscule little ears. And then I can't see his tail, but his body is going back out into the clear blue water in this photograph. Mm -hmm. And it says, California only begins to describe sea lions range. They're found along coasts and off and on offshore islands from British Columbia to the southern tip of Baja, Mexico, or Baja California, Mexico. But the lion part of these marine mammals' name is spot on. Sea lions are among the most vocal of all mammals, and the mountainous males can emit reverberating barks to defend their territories or court females. <laughs> and it says a home for rescued sea lions. Three of shed sea lions are rescues, but each came to the aquarium in a different way. Cruz was a pup when he was found blinded in both eyes on the California coast, while Laguna was found stranded and starving on California beaches not once but twice. Biff was tagged as a nuisance animal for repeatedly preying on endangering Chinook salmon on the Columbia River. Culling can be the next step, but the government wildlife agencies and the marine mammal community collaborated to find him a home at shed. And this appears to be a quote from Duke Stacy, who's the animal care specialist. The trust crews, our rescued blind sea lion, has with us is truly remarkable. If you were to come to shed and see him zipping through the water and running around his habitat, you'd never know he had any visual impairment. And there actually is a video here that's called Chaining with Sea Lion Crews, who is the visually impaired one. Should I yeah. play on that guy? Okay, let's do it. Right, so Cruz is following a baton with a red uh, ball at the end of it that a trainer has. And as he touches his nose to the ball on the end of this little baton, he's getting treats that appear to be small fish. And the trainer is a man in wading boots and khaki pants and a polo shirt. And he is petting Cruz between giving him a treat and leading him with his, looks like a training baton. Says he listens for the whistle. And then he touches his nose to the tongue that the trainer is moving to various places and then he gets a cheat. It says like many animals of shed, oops, I missed it. He's telling him, good job, you did it. And give him a cheat and a pet. And then Cruz gave him, gave the trainer his fin to shake. 
his side fin, and now he's waving his fin. It says that all of his training comes in handy during veterinarian checkups. He's learned to respond to words like follow, wait, and swim. Oh, how special. Gee, how would you like to be his IRA agent, Julia? (laughs) Any day he wants. That would be so cool. Yeah. With a little bit more about Cruz. Mm -hmm. Um, Exciting things. I don't know if it was apparent from the video, but that training um, stick that he, that the trainer is using with him actually has um, rattle, it's like a rattle so that mm. he's able to hear it um, since he's completely blind. And so he's able to, I said, all of the other sea lions and many of the other animals it should have that similar one, but it doesn't have that sound inside it. So he's able to hear it and follow us at where the trainer um, wants it to go and they communicate with him that way. Um, also, um, they, I also learned that he can map out areas with his whiskers. So those whiskers that are on his face um, that Julia described earlier are known as vibrisae, as in they're um, kind of sensory organs, just similar to the polka dot catfish we talked about at the beginning of the video. And so he's able to use um, those whiskers to map out areas and learn um, the space of where he is. Amazing, amazing. That's just amazing. Yeah. Really great. I think we found our Ira mascot now. Yeah, right. <laughs> now his name is Cruz, like like yes. Cruz. Cruz. <laughs> Many of the animals who live at Shed are named for the places where they would be found in the wild. I believe Cruz was actually found near Santa Cruz, California. So okay. Mm-hmm. Blind? Was there ever? I'm just curious. Did you uh, ever figure out what happened to him? Or yes. Um, they found him disoriented um, on a beach, and when they finally took him for a medical exam, they found bullet fragments in his head, and they believed that he was shot by someone. No, oh, well, I'm so happy he's a Chad living a good life. That's- yeah, so are we. It's a great addition to our family of animals. <laughs> well, shall we leave this particular exhibit and... Try some of those uh, 360 views. Yeah, let's see where we can find some 360s. I see um, there's a wild reef, a Caribbean reef. uh, The Amazon Rising exhibit is also on here. Mm -hmm. Rivers, oceans, great lakes. Stingrays and gardens. Stingrays and gardens. And, And again, that's a 360 also. I don't know. I have to click through to find out. You want me to just start at the top and see where we can find some 360s? Um, yeah. Yeah, let's... Okay. They seem to be popular and give there. people clearly a lot of... Here we go. So this one is... The first one I clicked through to is called Wild Reef. It says, home to sharks, rays, corals, and reef fishes. Wild Reef brings together remarkable predators and prey in constant motion. Immerse yourself in a a diver's eye view of a diverse and colorful marine ecosystem. Explore the reefs of the Philippines and see how Shed helps conserve many of these remarkable animals in the wild. And there's a 360 here called Underwater in the Wild Reef. Mm -hmm. So let me go ahead and get that one going. And you can hear the bubbles, right? Yes. Oh, that's soothing. Here we have a zebra shark cruising along in front of the camera. It's a fairly large shark. It's like a stripe down his side. And the atmosphere here is clear blue water with uh, some blue and green, different shades of reef. 
uh, below. Some of it is shaped like sort of a brain shape and some of it has kind of a mossy rock appearance. And right now, two yellow and gray fish with black stripes on the side called Colded Golden Trevallies just swam by right in front of the camera. There's a sandbar shark, which has a white belly and a gray back like uh, Ashley was describing earlier. A bright yellow and black fish is swimming among the reef down at the bottom. And a saw who has a big long nose like the blade of a saw. And swam over the camera so you got a view of his belly as he swam over. And two small bright yellow and blue fish called raccoon butterfly fish swam right towards the camera as well. And it's sort of just constant activity, all kinds of different species swimming around, which I guess is kind of the idea of a reef. I see a black and white striped, it looks like it might be a clownfish. And some sharks cruising by. It's Various very, sharks, just all yeah, kinds of different, different sharks. kinds of sharks. I've seen a sand shark and a saw shark. There's something called a humphead wrasse going by now, which is a big, chunky fish with a big bulge on the top of his head. Another saw shark swimming by is a gray shark with that big long nose protrusion. Large shark. And this is called a white spotted guitar fish, which is a very flat gray fish with white spots. Not flu, swam by at the last second there. <laughs> so that is the nice. end of that view. And just the sort of overall vibe we are was like very busy, but still calming. Everybody kind of yes. cruising around slowly, even though it's lots of different activity going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coral mm-hmm. reefs are like that. I said, they're very busy. They're very busy, but yeah, they're also very seem like soothing spaces. Um, so just to answer um, something you asked a few moments ago, um, there are a few shark species that live in that exhibit. I think we saw most of them. Um, they're sandbar sharks um, that have um, the ones that are gray, on the top and light on the bottom. I said, they're kind of the, we call them the sharkiest sharks. When people imagine a shark, they usually imagine something that looks like a sandbar shark. They're about um, six feet long. Um, I think each one probably weighs somewhere between 150 and 200 pounds, if I were to guess. Um, They have, I said, they're a faster swimming shark. And one of the ways that we can look at them and know that is by their tails. They have sort of a shorter triangular shaped tail um, and then if you compare them to another species of shark um, that lives in the wild reef called the zebra shark, um, the zebra shark um, is sort of a tannish yellow shark with dark spots um, on its body. I'll talk in a minute about why it's called a zebra shark, even though it has spots, um, but it has a very long <laughs> wavy tail. Um, and so those types of sharks typically are a more of a cruising type of shark as Julia described them. Um, and they swim through the water more slowly um, they sort of have um, the, their mouths um, are a little bit rounder, and so um, it goes to what they eat. Um, they tend to eat. They, they tend to suck their food rather than chasing their food like a sandbar shark does. They tend to suck their food out of crevices and um, corals. Um, so they'll eat things like clams, as and they have strong jaws, as so they can break their food apart and eat it that way. Now, the reason that they're called zebra sharks, even though they have spots on their bodies, is because when they're born or hatched rather, um, zebra sharks have dark stripes on their bodies, but as they get bigger and older, those stripes um, disappear and they turn into spots, um, which is why they're called zebra sharks. Okay. Um, there are two <laughs> other species that I don't think we saw in that video. There are also black tip reef sharks, 
which are a smaller shark species. They're probably about, they probably get to be about three or four feet long um, as adults. And as their name suggests, they have black tips on their fins. And then there's also a wobegong shark, um, which is a bottom dwelling shark. So you won't necessarily find it swimming through the habitat like some of the other sharks from the video I said, but you'll find them sort of, um, they're smaller sharks. They're a little bit flatter and kind of like a mottled brownish um, white mottled color. And you'll find them a lot of times on the bottom of the exhibit and they have tassels along their mouths. And so when something comes by that they want to eat in the wild, um, they would be able to jump up and grab it. So they're ambush predators. So <laughs> one of the things I think is pretty exciting is that we have different shark species, I said, but they're all very different and represent different types of sharks. Wow. So I was wondering, um, Ashley, if you could explain to everybody, what is coral exactly? Because we hear it, a lot about it in the reefs and there, as Julia described, there are different kinds, but mm -hmm. what is coral? Coral is ultimately an animal. Um, it's an animal that often looks a bit like a plant. And actually what's exciting about coral is that there are many, actually there are technically many animals working together. So one individual animal is called a polyp. And then those polyps will sort of form a large coral as it. So then many, so many polyps together is a coral and then many corals together is a reef. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, one of the reasons that we know that we define coral as an animal rather than a plant, even though they sort of look a little bit like plants is they eat food. And so they have little tiny tentacles that they're able to grab small, small animals that are floating in the water and other food that floats in the water and eat it. Um, they um, grow um, like people, they give out waste like people, and they also reproduce. Um, animals are also defined because they move at some point in their life cycle. So most corals, again, like plants, are most, spend most of their lives rooted in one place. Um, but when they're very young, um, when they're larvae, they do move around um, for a little bit. And since they're free moving during that part of their life, um, they're considered animals. And so in the coral reef idea i'm imagining something round the animals are literally swimming around this round coral is that or is it a is more like an island or something like again i think using our plant analogy i think that sometimes they're swimming around them sometimes they're swimming through them sometimes they're under little parts of them so they're there are many different shapes of coral depending oh, on okay so it's like different animal species, like you have different types of sharks or different types of fish. They're also different types of coral. Um, so when Julia was describing one that had like a brain shape, there's actually a coral called brain coral. Um, there's coral called finger coral. Um, there's um, elk horn coral that looks like the ear of an elk. Um, and so it's that particular coral is sort of flat and wide. Mm -hmm. um, and so you'll find that these coral reef systems are really important for other animals. And so you may find that coral reefs are maybe about 1% of the ocean floor, but 25 or 30% of the world's animals use them and live around them. Um, so they'll use them to kind of hide, smaller animals will use them to hide in between um, different branches of coral. So if you have a branching or like a longer, skinnier coral, mm -hmm. um, some animals will use them as food. Um, some animals will use them as places to find other animals that they wanna eat. Um, so they're very important parts of our ecosystem. Does that answer your question, Stephanie? Yes. I mean, it's just amazing. You, I, we have not probably covered one quarter of the uh, shed aquarium. And I'm just fascinated with, with what we're learning here today. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. 
Yeah, and as you can tell, there is a ton of content. We've only touched on a couple of the, um, actually, well, yeah, a couple of the um, 360 views and some of the videos and things. There are other videos that have a lot of narration with them, um, but there are also some programs, and I'm not sure in the few minutes that we have left here if Ryan is with us. Um, if you are, Ryan, can you jump on? And we'll talk about our our offer for shed. Not sure, Ryan. Maybe. In the meantime, while we wait, <laughs> sound from Ashley's. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just I love the sound of water, ocean, bubbling brooks. You know things Isn't like that. Great. Now you guys also have penguins, right? We do have penguins. Oh, um, penguins. penguins. Let's look at some penguins before we go. Yeah, let's look at some penguins. Let's see. All animals. Penguins. Here they are. All right, it looks like they have Magell Magellanic. Magellanic. Magellanic mm -hmm. penguins and rock hopper penguins. Oh, I love the rock hoppers, the little guys. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah, the rock hoppers are small penguins with black heads and big white bellies. And then they have yellow feathers coming off the side oh. of their heads and orange beaks. Mm -hmm. And then the Magellanic penguins are black and white, sort of more traditionally what you picture as a penguin. Um, they have black backs and black fins and white bellies and some white on their face and black beaks. And it looks like they have a video here called Caring for Abandoned and Endangered African Penguin Chicks. That one's actually a bit long for what we have left time-wise, I think. But if you click through on either side of these penguins, it says Magellanic Penguins. The boldly banded Magellanic Penguins live along the coast of Southern South Africa, fishing the rich waters in the Strait of Magellan. Both the birds and the water passage were named for the Portuguese explorer who, in 1520, was the first European to encounter them. And there's some photos here of the penguins looking right into the camera, and they have black beaks and black around their eye, and then a big white ring along the top ridge of their head and under their chin. So it's almost like they're wearing like a little white fuzzy <laughs> like muff thing around their heads. <laughs> And they have very clever expressions on their faces always, it seems like. <laughs> and then the other kind is the rock hoppers. And if I click through on them, they have a little bit more menacing expressions. They're, they're wow. uh, yellow feathers that go over their eyes and kind of come out out of their head in a big tuft. It gives them sort of like a little angry eyebrow <laughs> on their faces. So they look like super villains. Little yeah, super a little villains. bit. <laughs> They're darling, but they look a little angry. But they also have that same look when they look in the camera, like they know something you don't. And yeah. Bright orange beaks. <laughs> and for rockhoppers, it says rockhopper penguins were named for their unique mode of lo locomotion. Unlike other penguin species, these one and a half foot tall birds hop, almost bounce from place to place, a useful adaptation to the rocky terrain of their windswept islands around South Africa's southern tip. They even hop into the water feet first. It's pretty cute. Ashley, just one quick question. So the coloring on the rock hoppers, is that um, again to blend in or is there something different about the, the no, feathers? It's, 
exactly the same. Um, so yeah, they have that same dark black back feathers, white stomach and chest feathers. And um, just like with the other animals, I said they're able to use it to blend in um, with the water, like the Pacific white-sided dolphins. So again, in their case, I said they could be predators, they could be prey, but either way, it helps them hide in the water. And their feathers are yellow, right? No? Um, they The rockhopper penguins have little tufts of yellow feathers at the top of their heads. Um, so one of the ways that you can tell there are 17 penguin species in the world and the one of the ways that you can usually tell them apart is by their head um, so these this particular species even though they have black they're black on the back they're white on the stomach and chest um, they have kind of little yellow or yellowish orange feathers over their eyes and then on the sides of their head okay it just sounds like a odd but very um interesting fascinating look <laughs> it is they are quite cool. Well, if all of this sounds really fun and exciting to everybody, guess what? Um, the Shed Aquarium Access Offer does extend to the online content. So if you would like to visit the Shed Aquarium and take a look at all of the free content that's here, you can do that with an agent just like what we did today. Or actually, there are a number of paid experiences that folks can have online with Shed, right? That's absolutely true. Is that we have virtual animal encounters. So when Shed Aquarium was open, um, we had encounters where people could come and meet animals. And so we've continued those programs online. Um, you can meet a penguin, um, like a penguin or a Magellanic penguin, as that you can meet a sea lion. Excuse me. Um, like we talked about a little bit earlier, as that you can meet, let's see, there's penguins, sea lions, sea otters. And um, that might be what we're doing right now. I said, I'll have to double check and see if there's a fourth one. But I believe you can definitely meet those three. Mm -hmm. And that's a experience, right? Oh, how fun. Yeah, and the um, offer does extend. So you can have your IRA agent on with you uh, for the paid experiences as well. So feel free to take part in one of those. And uh, you can have your agent along for the description and uh, away we go. And since the museum is not open right now, this is how we're able to bring you this content because Shed made the commitment to be an access partner and we're really excited about that. Now, we are in the process of getting that set up. So just let your agent know that you would like to visit the Shed Aquarium. And this is definitely a free access offer. And uh, they will be able to find that under the promotions section of the free offers. And if it's not there already, because Ryan's working hard on it, it'll be there in the next 24 hours. But everyone, please come and uh, pay Shed a visit. Now, Okay, we're going to finish by talking gift shop because you know we're all Let's, about the gift shop. And yes. I heard from somebody that there's some fun new merchandise. Julia, can we check out the gift shop? Yes, we can. All right, so I'm in the gift shop. We've got all collections, apparel, accessories, gifts about, and then there's a search function. I'm guessing you want me to search sea otter. Huh? Well, you know we, you you. know we do. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so there's a sea otter patch, which is a little 
uh, let's see, three and a half inch patch that you could put on like a hat or a jacket or a backpack. That I is... used to have my museum sweatshirt with all the patches when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little sea otter lying on his back with his hands on his tummy looking Aww. out at you with his little black eyes and his black <laughs> nose. And it says Shed Aquarium Chicago at the bottom there. Aww. And you can find that design on lots of different merchandise it looks like on a hoodie a big gray hoodie i was wondering about the hoodies t-shirt and then there is also a teal colored sweatshirt that has a similar design and then there appears to be another sea otter design that is a sea otter lying at the bottom rim of a circle and in the background of this light blue circle is a navy blue image of the skyline of chicago and the sea daughter has two little hearts coming out of his head. Like he loves Chicago and it's oh, like shed aquarium oh, Chicago as well. That's cute. <laughs> and that design comes on. It looks like a royal blue tote bag. Um, that design without the hearts is on a long sleeve t-shirt and a ball cap and a short sleeve t-shirt as well. And then there are two sea otter plushes i was gonna ask if there were any <laughs> plushes oh my one gosh them, one of them is 10 inches and it's a rather realistic looking sea lion oh, mm-hmm. that would now be what fun. is a plush you guys what's a plush a like a little stuffed, stuffed animal, animal. <laughs> oh, oh okay. <laughs> and so that one has he's holding a purple starfish on his chest like he's getting ready to eat it and then there's another one that's a five inch it's called a five inch roly plush Oh, and he's it's just like this back. little ball, almost like a ball-shaped plush, and it's has a little otter face, and he has little tiny arms that looks like he's trying to hug you, and little ears on the side. Of oh his my god! He's got a tan face and a brown body. It's just a little, you know, little tiny stuffed animal, but mm-hmm. so so cute. A lot oh of heart melting merchandise in here. Yeah, I was just <laughs> gonna say. Now, do we have a plush of Cruz the sea lion? Yeah. That would be totally fun. Let's see what we have for sea lions. Oh, no. Oh, no, sea lion didn't oh. yield any results. Let's see. Oh, no. <laughs> well, they're coming out with a new capsule collection. So what they've been doing is they've been coming out with small, small collections. So one is based on sea otters, as we see. One is based on penguins. And so I believe maybe if people write in and say they want sea lions. There you go. We, we want an autograph mascot. picture. There Cruz. you go. We want Cruz the sea lion. Cruz. <laughs> Cruz already has. Now he's got a serious built-in fan club here. <laughs> Cruising with Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would like to thank you so much, Ashley Braggs from the Shed Aquarium for being with us today and really enriching our visit to the aquarium. I want, oh my gosh, I want to go so badly. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure um, speaking with all of you and answering your questions. And hopefully I'll get to see you all in person at some point soon. We definitely hope so. We definitely hope so. Whenever uh, we all get uh, back to, you know, the the new reality uh, where we can travel and do things. I'm about an hour from Chicago and (laughs) my husband loves the Fields Museum and a couple of the other planetariums. So um, I have a feeling we'll be in your neck of the woods soon. So as soon as we can. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, our next episode of Afternoon at the Museum, as we noted, will be next Friday, the 22nd, when we will take a look at the content from the Civil and Human Rights Museum in Atlanta. And again, that was a suggestion from one of our uh, explorers. So if you have suggestions for museums, we are ramping up for Black History Month, followed by Women's History Month. And we're going to go every Friday during Black History Month. We're going to try that out. We're in the planning right now. So if there's something that you want us to do, we will be happy to do that. We can even revisit museums. Oh, and um, we did forget during our moment of silence today, we did lose one of the Tuskegee Airmen, who may be one of the last ones. And we were not able to find the name of this gentleman, but he did pass away recently. And so we are losing that group of gentlemen, you know, exponentially, which is unfortunate. But um, we do have our visit to the Tuskegee Airmen, which will be up and available for you here very, very soon. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie Watts, our wonderful host and a discoverer of awesome things. It's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for having, uh, <laughs> having the, the, making time to spend with us this afternoon. Sure. And our wonderful agent, Julia. Thank you so much, Julia, for the great descriptions. And now I have to go and buy that, that 10-inch plush yes, now. very cute. <laughs> awesome. And a special thanks to our YouTube guru who is working hard behind the scenes, Mr. Ryan Bishop. And with that, I am Janine Stanley, the Director of Customer Communications. Got it right that time. And everyone, please have a wonderful day, a safe weekend, and take care. We will see you next week at Afternoon at the Museum.